This Choircast podcast episode is brought to you by Returning to Eden, a field guide for the spiritual journey. Returning to Eden is a book by Heather Hamilton for people who resonate with aspects of Christianity but struggle with the coherence of its claims. After having a mystical experience that shattered her evangelical beliefs, Heather Hamilton found herself on the journey that every true spiritual seeker ultimately takes. The highest truths that set us free are hidden in places that most people are not looking. Returning to Eden re-examines the Bible stories of childhood and opens them up as symbolic maps into the inner world. Stories like Jonah and the whale, the parting of the Red Sea, Noah's Ark, and the virgin birth are illuminated with penetrating depth and intellectual integrity. Faith is no longer a white-knuckled grip on implausible beliefs, but a relaxation into a deep inner knowing. You can purchase Returning to Eden by Heather Hamilton at Amazon.com or at ReturningToEden.com. Welcome, everyone, to the Spiritual Brew Pub. I'm your host, Michael Camp. With all of a sudden, I've got all these guests on this in the studio today. What's going on? <laughs> and the reason is, is we have a very special episode for you today. We are responding uh, to the new book called The Deconstruction of Christianity, what it is, why it's destructive, and how to respond. The book is by Elisa Childers and Tim Barnett. And also, we're going to be referencing a video that the authors did uh, with uh, recently with Sean McDowell. So allow me to introduce our guests. Uh, we have December Rose. December is a podcaster, uh, an all, all around. I like to call you an all around feather ruffler, December. <laughs> and author of that sounds uh, about right. <laughs> author of several books about uh, church hurt and how the church and church myths. And um, uh, December, welcome to the podcast. Thank on, you. December. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> yeah, great <laughs> for you to be. It's so good to see you again. So um, uh, I know you're uh, uh, you're not whole, known for holding back, and uh, so I, I know you're going to tell us what you really think about this book. So, and and the ideas in the book. Um, we also have Angela Harrington. She's a faith deconstruction coach and uh, author of a new book called Deconstructing Your Faith Without Losing Yourself. Angela, welcome to, to the Spiritual Brew Pub. Thanks for having me again. Yeah, again. You know, you're the third third time. Uh, you, you are the best frequent flyer we have. <laughs> Does that mean I get an upgrade next time? Yes, I don't we're going to give is. you an upgrade. Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> so I know you're going to tell us what you really think, too. And I've yeah. interviewed Angela. Actually, I've interviewed all of you on my podcast. So you can find all these people in, in prior interviews. Um, and then finally, we have uh, Keith Giles, uh, deconstruction coach, uh, podcaster, former evangelical pastor, publisher, all these kinds of things, and the author of the Jesus Unseries of books. Uh, Keith, welcome to the podcast. So glad to be here, Michael. Thank you for inviting me, and so great to be here uh, with Angela in December as well. Yeah, it's a great team here. Um, I think uh, you've been around the block a few times with this deconstruction stuff huh Keith yeah a bit yeah it's uh it's <laughs> taken over my life the last five years for sure <laughs> I see so our goal today is to uh actually deconstruct this book the deconstruction of Christianity and I want to start off by saying um 
you know, although we we via, we will definitely disagree with uh, 90 percent, 90, maybe 99 <laughs> percent of what the authors are saying in this book. Uh, I think we can speak. I can speak for all of us that um, we see ourselves in all of them because we used to be there. We used to be in their yeah. shoes and, and we're former evangelicals or, or former conservative Christians. And uh, the difference is that we've um, deconstructed and we've seen both sides and. We're not doing this to, you know, put them down or anything, but as people, but to just to, to uh, address the ideas that we think that are, are misguided. Um, uh, you know, people who are genuinely questioning their faith, uh, um, uh, really the evangelical deconstruction is not destructive. Uh, it's not a destructive thing to do. And we've seen how um, it actually is very healthy and it gets people back to a uh, a more healthy faith or a new, a renewed philosophy of life. Um, so it's, and it's also not something you just wake up in the morning and say, hey, I decided I saw some trendy video somewhere and I'm, I'm going to start deconstructing my evangelical faith. No, it's something that's becomes, is born out of some authentic questions that people have and they're not being adequately answered. And so that's why uh, people go on this journey. So let me start with just asking each of you, um, uh, what did you think? Just a 30,000 foot view of what you think about the book or anything you know about the authors. Angela, I'll start with you. Yeah, I think the, the high level overview of the book for me is really worrisome. Uh, I'm concerned about how many people are going to be encouraged to go to absolutes and not recognize the diversity of faith, the diversity of humanity, just the diversity of experience, um, even within the Christian church. So uh, absolutes are, are meant to drive controversy and to push people to react in a non-healthy way. Um, and so I think that's the biggest thing that concerns me. I got you. Okay. Yep. December, how about you? I'm going to have to... I'm going to have to give you a high level view of the concept of the book and the summaries of the book okay. uh, that I have read. And uh, before we came on, uh, the, a few of you were talking about how you got it for free and you still, it still was a waste of your time. You still paid too much for it. So apparently I didn't miss out on too much. Uh, but my high level view of this entire concept, I, I would say I take issue with someone acknowledging that there is an issue. Um, but ignoring why that issue exists. And I feel that that is this, the summary of this book. Hey, we're going to say that there might be some validity to why people may want to deconstruct, but we're going to ignore the reasons why they do. And we're also going to misrepresent what it means to deconstruct in the process of it. So that right. invalidates even acknowledging that, that, the, that, that it exists if you invalidate why it exists. Right. right. That's a good point. So, yeah. so that, that is, that's my, yeah, okay. that's what, how I'm feeling about it. If you can't, if you can't acknowledge why it exists, then why do you acknowledge that it exists? What's the right. point of that? Yeah. We'll, we'll get into that. There's kind of a, a lot of talk about, well, you know, you, you're doubting that's fine, but you're not doubting. Well, <laughs> you're not doing it right. <laughs> so, um, okay. Keith, yeah, what about you? Not valid. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I probably similar to Angela in December and and you, Michael. Um, it, it's nothing new when I started reading through the book. Um, it's the same kind of stuff I've seen Alyssa talk about on her videos over and over and over again. Um, the same kind of pattern 
of defending what she calls, quote unquote, historic Christianity, which based on the way she defines uh, historic Christianity seems to be, she she's under the illusion that Christianity started about 500 years ago um, and not 2000 years ago, because historic Christianity, the way she defines it pretty much started with Luther, uh, Martin Luther and John Calvin, but uh, ignores, you know, all the Christians that came before that. And um, so that's troublesome to me, the way she basically defines, she's defining Christianity and she keeps saying it's historic Christianity, but essentially it's just what she happens to believe. And by doing that, she's ignoring not only a long tradition of Christian faith, again, going back 2000 years, but the varieties of kinds of perspectives that Christians have held historically throughout those 2000 years to this very day. And the fact that sometimes Christians disagree on the doctrine of the atonement or uh, the doctrine of eternal torment versus annihilation versus universal reconciliation or many other you know, doctrines, um, uh, the fact that we disagree doesn't mean that some of us are Christians and some of us are not. Um, and anyway, I'm sure we'll get into it as we keep going. But yeah, right. uh, what, what I see is the problem ultimately, if I it just kind of like, again, 30,000 foot view, I just see that what she's doing by demonizing people that don't agree with her, you know, progressive Christians and people, you know, who aren't buying her narrow kind of view of, of historic, quote unquote, historic Christianity. Um, she's creating so much division in the body of Christ. She's creating so much pain. Uh, I would say even division between people, family members, because this is how I found her in the first place. I was getting emails from people telling me, Keith, you know, my mom sent me this or my brother sent me this or, my dad sent me this uh, email with a link, a link to this video where Alyssa Childers is saying all these horrible things. Um, and how do I respond? Because right. now my parents think I'm, I'm not a real Christian. They think I'm an apostate. They think I'm, you know, uh, I've gone off the deep end or whatever. And, uh, and, and again, it's creating real pain and real suffering for real people. And it's really unnecessary. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely agree with all that. Everyone everything that everyone said, but I, I would just add that for me, um, the biggest thing was probably that they didn't address the major issues head on and in depth. It was very shallow. So it's like, I, you know, there's so many good historical studies and good biblical uh, analysis out there that, you know, helps us deconstruct evangelicalism and they just ignore it, you know? Mm -hmm. So and they go on and et cetera. So um, the other thing is, um, uh, before we get into the th the uh, points that we want to go through, is was there anything that you liked about the book? I'll start with that one. Just a few things. Um, I I had a hard time finding things that I liked. But in the end of the book, there was actually a few things. And there was actually, in that video with Sean McDowell, Tim Barnett admitted that he doesn't like the doctrine of hell but he has to accept it because it's in the Bible. <laughs> so I thought, well, at least he's honest. You should look at what we're saying about the, the, the facts of the Bible. If it, is it really in the Bible or right. not? You know, and he doesn't want to go there, but at least he admits he doesn't like it. And then, and then uh, Elisa had some critique of the, of the commercialism and legalism in the, in the Christian community. Uh, what does it call it? CCM Christian contemporary music industry. Because she used to be in that, so um, I thought, you know, okay, they, they're recognizing some problems here and there, uh, but I don't think, and they, um, 
they agree that we shouldn't, they shouldn't have pat answers and the evangelicals uh, are doing a very good job in answering questions and should have more thoughtful answers. But I just, I, they, they just ignore the fact that even thoughtful answers aren't working for many people. Yeah. Any, anyone else, anything that you liked about the book? I wanted yeah. to, I'll be honest. Like the, the idea of a book that, that encourages compassion, um, I was like, yeah, let's do this. And and even criticism, like I, I'm a huge fan of criticism because I think we can't see our own flaws. And so sometimes those criticisms, um, they make us better. And I, I was looking for that. I was excited about that, but unfortunately it was, it was pretty flimsy. It, it wasn't yeah. rooted. I mean, if you're going to come at me with something that you disagree about, please at least make a good argument. Um, because that makes us both better, right? If, exactly. we, if we both have good arguments and we both do our research and, and it's all really based in truth, even if our truths are different, I think it's it's better for the world. And I just, I couldn't find it. I looked, right. I couldn't find it. That's true. Yep. Okay. I guess one I- One of the I things that you liked, I yeah, also- Yeah, go ahead. I was saying one of the things that you mentioned that you liked, I, I liked, but it just didn't go far enough. They- admitted it but then hit it with the both sides ism or the whataboutism stuff which was they do admit that some churches don't encourage questioning faith and doctrines right um so at least admitting that and and anytime um a church or organization or anyone um does not encourage you or tries to oppress you or suppress you from asking questions it's a it's oppression it's a cult and it's uh, some type of form of oppression that's playing out that you maybe are wittingly or unwittingly engaging in and also right. encouraging others to engage in unwittingly. Yeah, that's true. And I, I was surprised that one of them said, oh, I think it was Tim maybe said, oh, we should have Q&A sessions after sermons. <laughs> and it's like, oh, OK, that's a good idea. But <laughs> who does that? You know, are you ready for that, though? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Are they ready for that? Exactly. OK. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. I don't, I hear crickets over on Keith's room, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think. Yeah. Um, what could I say that's positive? Um, <laughs> it's really hard. I, I think I'm just. It's it's just um, frustrating to me because again I think Angela said this like I I wanted to be pleasantly surprised you know yeah. I wanted to I wanted to see that okay you know they decided to sit down to write a book about this very you know important topic of deconstruction that they were going to be maybe a little generous uh, or do a little extra work you know to kind of like reflect the true perspectives of some people who are going through deconstruction and then address that. That would have been wonderful. You know what I mean? If it would have been like, here's what someone who's going through de- deconstruction is saying about why they're going through it and what it's like. And, and then now we're going to respond to that person, you know, in a, in a faithful way. Uh, that's for me what was missing. I know this isn't what I liked about it. because I, So I guess I'm saying I didn't really like much about it. I, I wanted <laughs> no, to no, like I, it, but I, yeah. I just I didn't see much there that I thought was like, that right. was well done, you know? Right. Yeah, I, I I'd have to agree. Very very uh, shallow and and getting into some of the meat of the things. But um, let's let's move on to uh, some of the points that we wanted to bring up. Uh, we're going to go through this. The first one is how about the claim that they made <laughs> that they've really researched deconstructionists. Mm. 
Fake well, news. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, on, say, on what planet was I? What was my question? Yeah. So <laughs> let me just say something about this because I think this is probably the best place to address it right here on this on this first one about the claim to have researched deconstructionists because I don't know the other guy, um, Tim, Tim, Tim Barnett. Barnett. Yeah. I don't really know him very well at all. Uh, but Alyssa, I followed quite a bit and, um, you know, a big, a huge part of her platform is that she is an expert on progressive Christianity and deconstruction. And, and again, forgive me if I'm misrepresenting this because, uh, but this is, this is uh, how I understand the way she represents her expertise. She says her expertise as a, about progressive Christianity and about deconstruction comes from the fact that she used to be a part of a progressive church. However, when she tells the story of that experience, what she says is that she was a part of a church that she thought was a conservative evangelical church. And over, a, I think, a period of maybe a few months, maybe a year, she slowly discovered that the pastor was deconstructing and that the pastor held some progressive views. And when she realized that, she quit. Now, I would argue that, let's say, for example, my family and I started attending a church that we thought was a progressive Christian church. And we went to that church for eight, nine, 10 months until we suddenly found out that it was actually a Mormon church. Does that make me an expert on Mormonism? Do I get to write a book that says, my I'm wife is a Mormon? Yeah. I was never a Mormon, and I don't think Alyssa Childers was ever a progressive Christian, and she was never someone who deconstructed her faith. So I feel like she has built up this case to evangelical Christians, you know, conservative Christians. Hey, everybody, trust me. I've been there. I know all about it. You know, I've used to go. I used to know this or believe this, and she never did. And to your point, Michael, I mean, I think most of us here, you know. I, I would admit, yes, I used to believe pretty much everything that Alyssa Childers currently believes. Right. Um, I could make her arguments for her. In fact, when I believed it, I believed it for the same reasons that she believed it. Mm-hmm. So I I can speak about her beliefs from a place of like, I spent, what, 25, 30 years of my life. I was a licensed entertainment pastor, right? I, I believed this stuff and I taught this stuff and I studied it. And I was a true believer in what she believes. But I have since questioned that. And and rethought that and reimagined my faith. And now I've changed my mind about a lot of those things. And now I have a new view. So, you know, I can speak about what Alyssa says about her beliefs because I used to hold those beliefs. I feel like Alyssa is disingenuous to say that she's an expert on deconstruction as if, oh, I used to believe these things. I don't think she's ever understood. I mean, I can see the evidence. She doesn't understand deconstruction. She doesn't understand what causes it. She doesn't understand why anybody would hold views that are different from hers. Um, And so uh, that's probably one of my biggest problems with who she is and how she presents herself. Right. No, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I didn't, I didn't really get her story about, Oh, I, I I was deconstructing, but so I don't know that I didn't know the details, but what you just said kind of makes sense because when she would talk about, what it's like to deconstruct and what deconstructionists are like, it was like, no, that's not true. That's not, it doesn't sound like, you know, us. (laughs) And what other profession can you make that claim? Right. What other, think of any other thing where you can make that claim just because I personally attended this place over here. I'm now an expert. Right. Right. (laughs) You know, I've been in a dysfunctional relationship. So now I'm an expert on dysfunctional. No, you're an expert at your, at your experience of your personal experience and what you had and what you were involved in 
you're expert with that. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So there's yeah, no other profession it, where you can make that claim. No, it's true. And and they kept saying that, oh, uh, you know, we've talked to so many people who are deconstructing, and it's like, well, I don't know who you we were talking to, but it's still there's still a disconnect somewhere. So. Right. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it really, this is where it started to fall apart for me because that's not research. Googling mm -hmm. deconstruction and reading some blogs is not research. Only yeah. talking to people who landed where you are is not research. And so right. what it does is it, yeah. it takes this tried and true method of having a question, looking at all kinds of information, listening to firsthand sources and people with lived experience, and then testing your hypothesis and just turns it into, as long as I can find a few people who agree with me, then I'm researched and it's an ex I'm an expert. Mm -hmm. And that's really kind of an ignorant stance. It shows a zero understanding of theology. It shows zero understanding of research. And it really just shows that the goal is not to actually get to the bottom of the topic. The goal is really what apologetics is, which is just a battle plan. It's mm -hmm. to defend what I believe right. and make sure that you as the reader know that anyone who believes anything different should be othered because they are evil and manipulative. And, right. Yeah, and we'll, and we'll get into that because they did make some crazy accusations mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. that we're, we're teaching doctrines of demons and that yes. deconstruction leaders are wolves in sheep's clothing. Mm -hmm. So we'll, we'll get to that. But <laughs> OK, uh, we kind of went through number one. Number two is they claim that deconstructionists are leaving historic Christianity. Now, this one really really pissed me off because uh, that's kind of like my niche is looking at the history of Christianity uh, all the way from the very beginning in first century, second century, all through the Reformation, et cetera. And um, I mean, it, it was just, it's just absolutely insane to, to think that what people are doing and researching, actually getting in really in deep into the history of this, of the, of this faith Right. And looking at things like, oh, how was the Bible compiled? You know, let's take a look at that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. how did the church evolve to get to where we are today? How did this doctrine of inerrancy, where did that come from? And, you know, has that always been there? Well, there's evidence that it hasn't been. Right. What, about, you know, the doctrine of hell, where does that, you trace it back? Where do you go? Oh, the first early church uh, for hundreds of years. The majority of them did not believe in the doctrine of hell, and they believed mm -hmm. in universal reconciliation. And there's a whole body of literature, just, you know, an yeah. amazing body of literature. And so all these different types of things, whether it's PSA and, you know, substitutionary atonement and all these things, and they saying, oh, when you deconstruct, you're leaving historic Christianity. That was her definition. And so that was that was just over the top for me. I was like, this person does not know what she's talking about. He he or she, whoever wrote that section, does not know what they are talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like we said, I, I touched on this earlier as well. You know, it's like just because Christian one Christian disagrees with another Christian about certain doctrines, it doesn't mean that one of them has left historic Christianity. Right. It goes to this whole thing about, you know. Uh, I do a podcast called Heretic Happy Hour, and it was we called ourselves heretics because we're making fun of this the stupidity and and the foolishness of like, 
you know, calling this other person a heretic simply because they disagree with one or two things that you happen to believe. Like our whole thing is like everybody is somebody's heretic, you know? So the people calling us heretics because we don't believe in X, Y, or Z, what they don't understand is like that there's other Christians somewhere else that call them heretics because they don't agree with us, you know, with them. And Christians have always disagreed on a lot of these doctrines. Again, you study the history, you can see the progression um, and you can see different splits. That's why we have all these different denominations now. And, and it's, to the, it's to the level of Alyssa basically saying that my denomination is the only true Christianity and all those other denominations, they are not true Christians because they don't agree with exactly everything that I believe. And again, that's not only wrong, um, it's divisive and it's, it's uh, destructive. Yeah, absolutely. It's the typical, you can't sit with us, yes. right? Yeah. <laughs> you can't sit with us. If you don't assimilate, if you don't believe, and we talked about this in our show the other day, if you don't believe like I do, if you don't have the same thought process, if you're not questioning what I'm questioning and answering what I'm answering, how I'm answering, you can't sit with us. What would give them the right to say that a deconstructionist is leaving historic Christianity? It could be that a deconstructionist is making its way back to historic Christianity by leaving the church. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. That's that's the that's point I, I was, say. was trying to make too. Is like no, it's actually just the opposite. <laughs> and, wow. and 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 Keith makes a good point. Point that there is there is no one set. You know, okay, this particular viewpoint is the only historic Christianity. There was so much diversity, but there are patterns that you can For see, sure. right? Sure. And you can look at those patterns and say, well, most people believe this, and there was disagreement about this. But to say that you know only evangelical theology is following historic Christianity is ex- extremely ignorant of what mm-hmm. of what the history is yes yeah. literally jesus would probably be considered heretic today by no. most evangelicals. oh yeah 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 probably right <laughs> yeah so as far as i'm concerned deconstruction is making your way back to the historical yeah. christ yeah, it's a good yes. point remember exactly yeah. it's the opposite of what they're claiming it's the it is. opposite right angela I I think the thing to keep in mind when we're talking about historic Christianity is it's like a pin on a timeline for most people, right? So what historic Mm -hmm. phase of Christianity are you going back to? Are you going back to when Christians drove genocide? Are you going Mm -hmm. back to when infants and, and mothers were separated and abused because they were out of wedlock and it was air quotes sinful. Like, are we going back to the crusades? Are we going like, right. where, where are we putting this pin in the map? And what I've seen from this book and, and from some others is that the, they tend to put the pin in the place that they are the most uh, well-versed in mm-hmm. and the most comfortable in, mm-hmm. and that doesn't require them to question their own power. And, and question their own privilege in this this Christian, the system of the big church. And I saw that here a lot. Yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah, she they, they kept on uh, citing things from the Reformation or something. Um, you know, it's a lot of people cite Augustine or they cite the Reformation yep. or they say yep. this. They had their pins in certain places and we're going, oh, we're deconstructing. We're actually looking in between those things and we're finding a lot of stuff. You should look at it. Yeah. <laughs> but they don't want to. Right. It reminds me when you said that, you know what that reminds me of? It reminds me of, and we're not going to get into a political rant here, I promise, but it reminds me of the MAGA <laughs> folks that make America great again. And yeah. when you ask any one of them, when was America great? What the first do yeah, is get offended right and they'll say, oh, see, now you'd say America was never great. Now they, you make it a political thing. But you're literally asking them, when are you put, where are you putting your pin down? 
How yep. far back do you want to go? Mm-hmm. Because I promise you, it wasn't great for everybody. And the further back you go, the less great it gets. So let's just define. Because <laughs> <laughs> right. the Native Americans might have something to say. The African Americans yeah. got something to say. You know, right. the Indian Americans, the Chinese Americans, the Japanese Americans. So how far? You know, the Mexican, the Hispanic. So you know, where you want to set your pin down? The women will <laughs> have something to say. You know, right. what I'm saying? Right. so exactly. the children working in the factories dying. Yeah, no, I was just going to say that child labor. The children have something to say. <laughs> you, you know, so when you and we're. I promise I'm not getting a political grant, but right. that pin, where you put the pin, and Angela, that is key. Where are you putting yep. that yeah. pin at? Yeah. Right. yeah, that's very, very and good I, points. And I would even follow it up with where are you putting your pin and how does that benefit you? Because uh-huh. if it benefits you. you to put your pin there, then you're not yeah. actually challenging anything. Not you're not, yeah. you're right. not getting uncomfortable enough to be yeah. honest about mm-hmm. the harm that the church has caused and continues to cause. Exactly. All right. All right, let's move on to number three. Um, this one really bugged me too. <laughs> uh, deconstructionists are rejecting biblical authority. Mm. Ideas for that? Again, well, where are you putting that. your pen? Yeah. What's biblical authority? Whose translation are you using? How are you extracting these passages and weaponizing them to prove your point? Mm-hmm. Again, it's just a flawed process. It, yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, because the Bible again, I know, I know Alyssa would say and argue, and, and people that think like her would, and again, I used to think this too, would argue the Bible is univocal. And it's that therefore it's possible to say that blank is biblical or blank isn't biblical because biblical is one thing. Uh, but it is not a univocal book. And the more you study it, the more you figure that out, right? That there's there are things that don't line up, right? Uh mm-hmm. ask even like uh, you know, if you ask the question, did God demand uh, animal sacrifice? Well, depending on who you ask, what book you read in, in the in Old or New Testament, you'll get different answers to that question, right? Um, and so, yeah, the, the, the question of biblical authority is the assumption that the Bible has only one thing to say about everything. Um, and it's also, again, this disingenuous claim, because what, again, what Alyssa is saying in the book, and she says all the time, is that if someone agrees with me, dis- sorry, if someone disagrees with me, um, they are outside of biblical authority. And the assumption then is she's right. You're wrong because you're challenging the Bible. But uh, again, let's say it's the doctrine of, uh, you know, hell. Well, people that, that embrace and, and historically embrace, let's say universal reconciliation. Um, we can see evidence of that from the very earliest days of Christianity. Uh, and they did so based on scripture. Right. So it's a biblical view to say you believe universal reconciliation. But I I would argue it's also a biblical view to argue for eternal torment. And it's a biblical view to argue for annihilation. Those are three different views. All three of them are biblical, meaning you can go to the scriptures to to support that belief. And again, underscores my point that the Bible is not univocal. So um, all she's really saying is deconstructionists disagree with me. Therefore, they're unbiblical. But I would argue, and let's get down to brass tacks. Let's sit down and say, let's. What are the specific things, Alyssa, that you think are unbiblical? Because I bet you I can find verses in the Bible that actually support the thing that you're saying isn't biblical. That's yeah, that's a good point. So yeah, I mean, the um, I'm sorry, Angela, did you? Oh, I think that was going. Yeah, I would say there's a verse for everything on on what Keith was saying. I I take um, I take a whole. I cringe a little bit at the word authority, yeah. to be honest, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. when it says they're rejecting biblical authority, Wh- which authority? 
um, that word itself it has a bad connotation with me where it concerns the Bible and anything religious. For me, that word translates to oppression. Mm -hmm. um, it probably doesn't translate that to everybody, but as a black woman in America, it, when you say they're rejecting biblical authority, so did the slaves. If it can, if it was teaching me, and I just I was like only yesterday years old when I found out that they that the slave owners gave the slaves a, a, a slave Bible. It's mm -hmm. in the museum mm -hmm. that took yeah. out a large parts of the Old Testament, many parts of the New Testament, oh, really? anything that would incite them to uprise anything that said yes. and and yeah they had a slave bible uh, okay. <laughs> that took out wow. you, you look it up go down the rabbit hole with it yes it, it, they put everything in there that made them subservient and to think that this was their lot in life and that was god ordained and they they should yield and submit and they took out all the parts that would encourage them to think that they were equal or that they should uprise yep. or that this was mm -hmm. not god's will for their life Yep. And so when some when I hear the word biblical authority, my mind automatically goes to oppression. What you mean? Yep. Authority over who? And who's the authority? Who's holding the authority? And what from what voice and what view is that authority coming and projecting onto others? I don't yep. like it at all. <laughs> you know, yep. so I'm OK yeah. with deconstructionists rejecting, quote, biblical authority. Because there's so many hands in that pot. We don't know whose authority mm -hmm. is being projected onto us. That's right. right. That's yeah. true. Yeah. That's, that's such a, a brilliant insight because I, I think that, again, where we put our pin in the timeline is, is whose authority we're, we're recognizing when we say biblical authority. But I think one of the other criticisms that comes at us kind of as this deconstruction community is that we're actually just anarchists and we don't like authority at all. And mm -hmm. and so I, I want to definitely add that as an asterisk here that I don't have any problem with authority. I don't have any problem with leadership. What I have problem with is exploitation. Yeah. And so if you're right. labeling an exploitative practice as biblical authority, yes, get the F out of my face. Yes. Yeah. Because up. that's that there is nothing, there is nothing holy about that. It may be biblical, but there's mm -hmm. also a lot of violence and oppression and exploitation in the Bible that could be considered biblical authority right. that we have rejected. We didn't at first, <laughs> we leveraged it um, to harm people. But at this stage, we're saying, yeah, that's not actually something that should be guiding our daily decisions. So it yes. really comes back down to, does what you're calling biblical authority protect your power or does right. it protect those being exploited by power? Right. That's Make a good point, point too. Great. So um, my outlook on this is that, you know, they, they just have the standard inerrancy of the Bible. The Bible is um, altogether true. It has to be altogether true. Uh, it's all universally applicable. It's all internally consistent. <laughs> and if you don't have that view, then there you are in say. rebellion. Yeah, right. So yeah. that's really the point to me is like, they just have a view of the Bible that is very exclu uh, exclusive and they just other everyone else who doesn't mm -hmm. believe that. Yep. And as you know, as we've been saying, they ignore uh, some of the voices throughout Christian history that had different ways of viewing the Bible than the evangelical way of viewing the Bible. Right. And uh, so, it, it, I, and I think that what really irks me a lot is when they just say, well, if, if, if I don't like the doctrine of hell, but it's in the Bible, I have to accept it. It's like, mm -hmm. well, actually, you don't, because you can right. look, you might say, okay, maybe... I don't like it. Maybe it's still true, but I have to maybe uh, because I don't like it. Maybe that's a red flag and I should dig a little deeper. 
what's but, going on here. You know, no, that's exactly right. And that's also my, again, just my frustration because um, I know I have, and, and maybe some of you have as well, but ever since I first came across Alyssa, I, and I know of many, many others um, who have reached out to her to say, you know, on this, like on a point, like you're making, you know, Michael, like, oh, you know, like, let's say hell. Okay. Um, no, I, I if this is a biblical view. The Bible teaches it. Jesus talked about eternal torment. I, even if I don't like it, I'm going to have to believe it. So I would love to have a conversation and say, but does it? Let's look at it together, right? Let's, what are the verses that you think say that? Could I show you what that maybe they don't say that? Can I show right. you other verses that suggest some other, some other ways of reading that? Like that would be productive. I wish we could do that. Or example, right. and I know this because I've, I've seen Alyssa do this. You know, she's, she's done videos talking about the quote unquote biblical because it's in the Bible that, you know, homosexuality is a sin because it says this in first Corinthians. But I would like, I would like to challenge that with her. Like, but does it say that? Because we know now that the word that word homosexuality was added into the English translation in 1946. Right. Mm -hmm. So actually, what was it before? Like, does it yes. say what you think it says? And could we have a conversation about that? I that would that be would so be productive. I, right. I dream of the day yeah. if we could do that. And, that would be and awesome. I think, I think the uh, other thing to add to that is that when when we're when you're talking like that, Keith, we're saying is like, what is the historical cultural context of yes. the Bible? You know, what was going on in the culture back then? Right. When they right. said this word, what did people think of? Yes. <laughs> and yeah, when you go yeah. into the history of that, you go, oh, my gosh, we're looking at this Bible from 21st century eyes and we're missing a lot of stuff. <laughs> right. So, again, I, what we're saying is people like us who have deconstructed our faith have done so not because we've rejected the Bible, but because we've learned how to look at the Bible in a, in a different perspective to go and to dig deeper and to go, like you said, well, what is the cultural context? What are, what are these words actually mean? Like that's not rejecting biblical authority. That's not rejecting the Bible. It's taking it so seriously yes. that I want to get beyond the English translations uh, and to say, well, what does it actually say? What is the intended meaning of those texts? And if anything, people that are deconstructing are, that's the direction they're going in. They're not moving away from biblical, from the right. Bible. They're taking it more seriously. Yeah. And I, and, and I also add to that uh, in my writing, I talk about the two-faced God a lot. When you mm -hmm. read the Bible in a flat reading, yes. like we're discussed, like they have, it's like, oh, I have to accept the Canaanite conquest and the violence <laughs> yeah. there. And I have to accept what Jesus said. And now I have to harmonize it. And now you've got this two-faced God that's one day very violent and another day is compassionate. Mm -hmm. So, which is true. So right. deconstructionists are basically recognizing the two-faced God and deciding, oh, and probably most of us are using the lens of Jesus's teachings yes. or some good, some teachings in the prophets or something to say, okay, how do we interpret those other passages in light of what Jesus said? And they're realizing that you can actually not believe everything in the Bible is from God. Right. <laughs> and, and I would add that taking the stance that a lot of these folks do that the Bible is inerrant and every word must be true puts you in a position where you have to almost, well, not almost, you really have to create alternative facts. Did we coin that word in the last decade? Yeah. Yeah. You have to create some alternative facts to make it all make sense because yes. there's some stuff in the Bible that yeah. just contradicts. Mm -hmm. And if you have right. the mindset that nothing is contradictory, that everything is true, that it's all real, none of it's symbolic, and you have to take it as on its face without reference to culture, context, time, wherever you put that pin down, it makes you have to twist yourself into pretzels in certain instances yeah. to make it make sense. And yeah. 
deconstruction is that process of unraveling yourself and just admitting this doesn't make sense. And mm-hmm. then going down the rabbit hole of, of finding out why doesn't this make exactly. sense. And then once you get down there, you find, oh, it doesn't make sense because it ain't true. <laughs> or, <laughs> right, or it doesn't right. make sense or because it wasn't so- intended for me to interpret it in the context in which I was taught it. Right. It doesn't make yeah. sense because I'm living in the United States in the year 2024 versus in uh, Israel, Palestine, Bethlehem, or Nazareth, or wherever the hell else in the year AD or BC, whatever, whatever. This is why it doesn't make sense because he wasn't talking to me (laughs) you know that's what deconstruction is you know acknowledging instead of trying to make it make sense where it doesn't make sense that's true well we're we're making a little bit of progress here uh (laughs) number four i think we're we're going to end up covering a lot of the things down below here and we're already giving so we're going to make it through it folks but on straw man, it seems like maybe only the first phrase there was what we haven't covered yet. We've covered the other ones. And, and and there's so many, there were so many straw man arguments. A straw man is basically saying, oh, deconstructionists believe X, and then mm-hmm. I'll go critique X. And then a deconstructionist mm-hmm. would say, no, I don't believe that. You know, so right. and one of them was the uh, deconstructionists are getting people to stop following Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have my thoughts on that. What about you guys? I'll just say real quick, um, I've been doing this thing called Square One that I started about five years ago. It's an online course and community helping people, uh, walking them through their deconstruction process, helping them figure out what reconstruction looks like for them. And it's, excuse me, it's different for everybody. Um, And and so over 200 people now have gone through this thing. And in my experience, um, the vast majority of those people were moving closer to Jesus. In fact, that was their intention. Because what they were noticing in their deconstruction is they were asking questions and having doubts was things didn't line up between the Christianity they were taught from the pulpit or handed when they were young. And, and there were inconsistencies between that and what they were reading in the Gospels, the Sermon on the Mount or the Book of Acts. And they're like, OK, well, what's going on here? I, I want to know the real Jesus. So most people yeah. I know that have gone through deconstruction and uh, have come out the other side and they have said this and they volunteer voluntarily said, I am closer to Jesus. Now I am closer to God now than I ever have been before. Now does once in a while, does it lead to deconversion? Yes. Sometimes people do completely leave the faith, but that that's one of my problems with Alyssa and her book and, and her videos and things. She constantly conflates deconstruction with deconversion. They are oh, not yeah. the same thing. They are two right. different things. And one does not, automatically lead to the other plenty of people the vast majority of people i know who have deconstructed have done so and feel closer to jesus and closer to god than ever yeah i've had the same experience people have actually said that you know and a lot of people say hey you know i'm deconstruct i i i have problems with this but i don't i I can't give up jesus how do what do i do with jesus you know because i can't give him up Right. So yeah, you keep just... Christ and hold him close. And actually, I'm on, I'm in that category of folks who, the further I get from the church, the closer I feel like I am to God. Mm-hmm. I still yeah. go to church and that. I still speak at churches, but as far as it dictating my life or being that quote authority over my life, mm, no, yeah, that's different. Right. Right. Yeah, I think this is a great place to kind of hold ourselves to a little bit of accountability because what we don't want to do is we don't want to set up our own straw man arguments by saying that that people who are deconstruction or are in deconstruction are a monolith 
Right. Because oh, we're not. Right? Yeah. right. So um, one of the things that I've discovered with my coaching clients and the people in my online communities is that the more the church has pushed you to the margins, the more the church has harmed you, the harder it's going to be to hang on to your faith right. um, because it's so deeply embedded in your trauma. So so what we've got to remember is that deconstruction is a process, not necessarily a destination. Right. I am deconstructing is a process that I'm following. It is a um, it is an initiative that I'm taking. It's it's questioning and those kind of things. But anyone who wants to determine where people are going to land at the end of deconstruction doesn't understand deconstruction right. because right. you can't go into it with foregone conclusions about exactly. where you're going to land. Right. That's yeah. not deconstructing. Yeah. That's we're right. Not, we're not setting up the first. De deconstruction church of no. so and, so. <laughs> and, and, and with our own statement of faith people land in different places yeah uh, I, I mean I, I think of the awaken conference keith and i went to and i met so many people there uh we were all over the map from atheist to progressive christian and we all got along really well we all had the same you know we agreed probably 95 percent of the time and and when and we just you know like oh okay well i don't care if you're an atheist I, you know, we had right. the same mm -hmm. experiences with toxic religion, so we have a lot in common. And even people who become agnostics, in my experience, usually they they hold on to some kind of an ethic. And sometimes yeah. that ethic is actually the love ethic of Jesus, but they may they don't really talk about it because, you know, that's what they're just trying to find meaning and and putting love or service into into life. Yes. And uh, they often get that from from Jesus, but they don't talk about it anymore because they got burned by, by religion. Yep. Yeah. And I just want to mention this too, on the back of what Angela said about us not being a, a monolith. Um, they're actually folks who have considered themselves quote deconstructed where I find that they are uh, where the pendulum has swung all the way back the other way, and they are just as toxic and yes. oppressive <laughs> yes. and offensive yes. right. Right. as a hyper religious person, and it, they don't even understand that they're in the. They went. They circled the. They circled the block and landed in the same spot with a different right. name. And you know, yeah. it's like I've heard them talking. I'm like, what well, this yep. is vitriol and the yeah. and these people and this God. I'm and it's like a, a burn the house to the ground type mentality. Yes. Very. Yes. Uh, very negative, very hateful, very, mm -hmm. you know, very just, you know, there's so much vitriol. And I'm like, I listen to these people that have quote, went under deconstruction. I'm thinking, Look, this is some dysfunctional deconstruction. If I saw some, but then I can't, you know, I can't qualify your process. I, I, yeah. I don't get to judge your process. I don't get to judge where you land, mm -hmm. but I think it's, we have to be fair and say that there are some people that go through what they call or say is deconstruction and they literally land in the same spot as some yeah. Christians as far as their judgment. Yes. And they're right. the way they are looking, yeah. talking, thinking, and acting toward Christians. And I don't think that's a healthy place to be either. Yeah, right. I agree. Yeah. Fundamentalism yeah. can reel its ugly yes. head anywhere, <laughs> even among yeah. atheists. So that's a good yeah. point, December. And there's a great, there's a, a tremendous difference between sacred holy rage, um, rage mm -hmm. against oppression, rage against all these things, and and allowing that to to form resentment. So yes. we call, I call those the screamers. And there's mm -hmm. actually yeah. a season when I needed screamers to help me tap into this rage that yeah. Christian culture said I wasn't allowed to have. Um, just don't get stuck there, right? That's right. Uh, yeah, because right. it's so 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 harmful. It's so heavy. 
And we can be tremendous allies. We can be on the front lines using our privilege for good, but we can't do that from a place of contempt um, or or a place of resentment because that's actually coming from our own unhealed spaces. Um, So like Gottman's Four Horsemen, those are defense mechanisms. Mm -hmm. So if I'm coming at you with contempt, if I'm coming at you with resentment, it means I haven't done my own work and I'm taking whatever's happening in your world personally rather than taking a step back, putting up some healthy boundaries and just saying, you know what, you, you don't get to pull my strings that way. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. All right. Uh, we're going to, I'm going to get us to move along here. This is a great discussion. Um, <laughs> this could be have... like three days long. I mean, we could <laughs> yeah. do like a week on this. Yeah. I know. Oh, yeah. Good. Well, anyway, you guys are bringing up points that I didn't think of. So, <laughs> yeah. So anyways, uh, number five, I think we should focus, uh, uh, address this quickly, but they they kept on making this point, you know, deconstructionists are choosing their own truth. (laughs) Everything is so relative and it doesn't really matter. Right. So what about that? I I would say, I just think what's happening is this is their perspective. That's their perception. You know, in other words, people are landing somewhere that isn't where they are. Therefore you might, you're just like randomly choosing you know, I want to believe this and, you know, as if anybody would do that. No one, no one is deconstructing um, and just randomly deciding I'm going to just believe, I'm going to invent my own belief system. I'm going to, I'm going to worship rabbits and I'm going to, you know, whatever. You know, like, it's like, no, no one's, that's not what anyone's doing. I get that that's how they see it yes. because they haven't really taken the time to truly understand the reasons why people have changed their minds and why they ended up where they ended up. Uh, that's the book I wish they would write, you know, ask, right. ask those yeah. questions and really listen to what people say, because right. where they, they've landed where they have, not because they just randomly just chose their own belief out of a, uh, or some book, something or somewhere. Um, they've asked questions and this is where they've ended up. And they've, and they're sincere questions. They kept yeah. on saying, you're not, you're not, you're not sincere. They're not sincere. You're not doubting. Well, <laughs> it's well like, you know, oh, they, it, I was real quick. They were, they were saying in the, in the video with Sean McDowell, I, I noticed they kept talking about and, and quoting and referencing like TikTokers, you know, oh, I'm yeah. like, okay, all right, look, if, if that's what you're doing and you're critiquing a 32nd TikTok video, then yeah, don't expect it to be that deep. Right. Uh, <laughs> right. They but that's not the totality. Yeah, and I think they probably they probably saw some of those people who might December described. They're just they're still like in the yeah. angry stage Rage or something, mode. and go see this is terrible, right? Yeah. Without, without really looking at the whole breadth of the of the movement. Yeah, yeah. I for me, it's I mean one of the things that I was criticized in the book about um, being labeled as as bad theology was a book review. It was, it was a couple sentences I wrote for someone else's book about deconstructing. Mm-hmm. And so I think saying, you know, we're choosing our own truth and even going into objective truth, whatever you pull out of context um, and label theology doesn't necessarily mean it's theology, right? What what right. you're saying is, is <laughs> a good question versus an insincere question. Um, that's really not for anyone else to determine. Um, Mm -hmm. how can you call it a faith with that level of legalism saying you can only do these things? Um, that's authoritarianism, which is a whole different church. And that's true. Oh, go ahead, December. And my thought is look at the premise of someone saying, um, that they're choosing their own truth. The premise of that is whatever I believe is the truth. Mm -hmm. 
and they have chosen some other truth. There's actually a scripture that says something about they have chosen the other doctrines. But the the, the premise of that, that the deconstruction of choosing their own truth, saying that out of your mouth is so arrogant. The hubris of saying they have they're choosing their own truth ma'am sir you're choosing your own truth right sir ma'am everybody chooses their yes, own. exactly <laughs> that would be you included but the fact that you're saying that out of your mouth implies that you believe you are the one that has the truth well, and that, and that yeah, everyone that, else is choosing their own truth as right. if you did not choose yours yours right. just is the truth yeah right well right. They, he, he's ignoring they're ignoring uh well evangelicals choose their own truth too how many different variations of evangelicals? how many denominations are there um, apparently yeah, everybody yeah. is choosing their own truth right. 600 yeah. something um, christian denominations right. so but that gets framed as learning your own, learning the truth right versus choosing it right yeah. which yeah. even strips away autonomy and choice which is a whole different book and a whole different conversation yeah. but um, yeah, that's why it's rooted in that certainty of we have objective truth because I believe what the person who taught me believed. Yeah, right. Yes. That's conditioning. Well, that, yeah. That's everyone, not truth. Everyone has to decide themselves. Even if even if you were the most strict fundamentalist, someone has to decide, all right, I choose to believe what you believe. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, uh, let's move on. I think we've covered number six. Um, number seven, um, this one was really probably the biggest critique I had was, you know, there was all these uh, talk about how terrible deconstructionists are, but they never actually addressed the major objections. And I think mm -hmm. we've already covered some of this, you know, the doctrine mm -hmm. of hell, the inerrancy of the Bible, yes, um, the substitutionary atonement, um, universalism in the first and second, third century. Um, they never actually addressed uh historically okay you know if and like you said if they had written a book like that and said oh this is what they're saying about whatever let's say um you know substitutionary atonement yeah and we say well i'm going to make the argument that's not true from history you know i'm going to mm -hmm. use the same type of method to you know critique what they're saying but they they're just they just kind of like throw it out there say nope mm -hmm. that's just obviously not biblical because it says Jesus died for my sins or something like that. And that's right. it. And then you move on. Yeah, it's very one-sided. And in fact, like I, so I wrote a book, um, Jesus Undefeated. It was, and it, it was looking at uh, the three views of hell. And I did what you're talking about, right? I had a whole chapter on eternal conscious torment. Who taught it? What are the scripture verses that people use to say that this is biblical and this is true? Um, historically, which early church fathers held to this view? And, and then I did a, a chapter for annihilationism and I did a chapter for universal reconciliation. I've represented all three views equally and fairly. And so, again, I, I wish they would do that, but I can tell you why they won't, right? Mm -hmm. The last thing Alyssa wants to do is publish a book where she tells you all the all of the, the reasons historically, right. <laughs> biblically, for people to reject eternal conscious torment or to reject penal substitutionary right. torment. Yeah. Because someone might read it and say, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's right. I might say, hey, I'm going to choose that one. Like yeah, that. I Thank choose you. that truth. Yeah. Right. But see, that would be education. And unfortunately, most of what I experienced growing up as a Christian was indoctrination. I wish somebody had told me in the churches that I attended, my pastors uh, and, my, and the Bible teachers that I sat under, I wish they would have given me an education because that would have been what they would have said. They would have said, hey, did you know historically the Christian church, for example, had believed these three different things? about the, the doctrine of hell. And this, this this one believed it this way because of these verses, and this one believed mm -hmm. it. You know, sh show me everything, 
even, and I don't even care if you do that and you say, and I prefer, or you know, our denomination prefers this view and here's why. But at least I would know, I'd be aware that there were other views and I'd understand why they believed it. That's right. education. And most of us received an indoctrination. I would argue what, what Alyssa Childers is terrified of is that what people might learn now through deconstruction, they might actually figure out that they were indoctrinated. They might actually get an education. And then what would happen? That they're terrified that it's, and I just want to say the cat's out of the bag. Deconstruction is. is not going away. I don't care how many books she writes, how many videos she does. They're not going to stop it. It's, it's, it can't be stopped, right? People are going to continue to ask questions. They're going to continue think to find answers. And they're going to yeah think for themselves. And they're, guess mm -hmm. what? They're going to change their minds. And that's right. just the way that, that gives me hope. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So, um, yeah, and, and that's kind of number 11. It's they say it's a trendy music movement and it mm -hmm. actually the term might be new deconstruction. Yeah. Uh, whoever coined it. When I started deconstructing, I didn't call it deconstruction. Right. I didn't know what it was. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't know what that was. So uh, it's a movement that's been around for years, decades, and centuries. Yeah. I argue that Jesus actually was deconstructing parts of the Torah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and the prophets were deconstructing the sacrificial system. I mean, I mean you can find it throughout all of history. And so. anywhere where you see in the scriptures, you have heard the prophets say, Mm -hmm. Yes, but right. I say that right. is a deconstructing moment. That this is. deconstruction exactly. moment has been brought to you by Jesus Christ. <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah. right, yeah. You yeah. have heard it said. You have heard, but I say that's yeah. deconstruction. Yeah, that's always yeah. giving me hope too. Like, and I, I think that for me, that one of the most flawed pieces that kind of encompasses a couple of these points is that there's so much focus on telling us what people's motives are that we're not actually talking about issues. We're not talking about a conflict. We're framing it in a way that you think the people who are deconstructing are bad, making a mistake. You think that people like us who support people in deconstruction are actually maliciously harming people so that then you don't actually have to take on the topics. It's about come, come get on my side. Here's why that group of people is bad. And then you don't have to do a deep dive. You don't have to bad. Yeah, you don't right. have to go into deconstructing your own privilege. You don't have to say, okay, how how is that church harming people today? Like right, right now in this minute, even if you don't go back and look at the past, what's happening right now? Mm -hmm. And I, I think that's why people fight so hard to just label people, um, you know, and, and not necessarily get into the topics because that's messy and that's hard. Mm. And I don't have right. to do the hard work. If I could just label right. you a heretic, then we don't we can it's ignore easy. what you're saying. It's easy, yeah, right. So we're we're getting close to our hour, but um, I think some of you can stay on. We, we're going to go on, but if you have to leave, that's fine. I think maybe some one one person might have to leave, but I'll we'll just keep going. What's that? I'll stay as long as I can. Oh, good. Okay. All right. So um, let's move on to. Um, uh, we've already kind of gone through, I think, number seven, and we've touched on some of the others. But one of the things that uh, this always kind of bugs me too about when I get uh, criticized, a lot of times they bring out what you might call the Galatians card. <laughs> <laughs> the Galatians card is you're preaching another gospel. Uh, and they just all oh, they just throw that out. See, Paul said that in the last days they would preach another gospel or whatever. Yeah. This is proof that these people are wrong. 
And then you go back, okay, I'm going to go back and I'm going to read the book of Galatians, right? And I just mm -hmm. read it. I cracked open David Bentley Hart's for, uh, New Testament. Yeah, great book. Cracked it open and read the book of Galatians. And, and I knew what it was going to say, but I wanted to hear what how it, Bentley Hart translated certain words. And sure enough, what are they talking about in Galatians? They're talking about a group of Christians, followers of Jesus, that were trying to go back to the law of Moses Mm. and saying you're not justified to be saved unless you follow the law of Moses, get circumcised and all this mm -hmm. stuff. Mm. That's what they were talking about. They weren't, they were talking about a very specific thing. They were talking about going back towards legalism and yeah. religious authority and control, which sounds a bit like it almost sounds what like what we're doing. Wait, maybe that's historical Christianity and we're all just wrong. Yeah, right. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> right that'll Paul. get clipped out. We'll see that one circulated. Sorry, Paul, you were wrong about that. Yeah. Well, uh, my my uh, kind of uh, thing on that too, uh, because this is uh, this is kind of my, part of my personal story. I would say the beginning of my deconstruction process was, um, again, I was licensed at Ordain, Southern Baptist, you know, on staff at churches and all this stuff in ministry, and. Um, probably, gosh, I was probably late thirties, early forties, something like that. And before I figured out, before anyone told me or suggested to me that the gospel wasn't about saying a prayer so you can go to heaven when you die. And it just blew my mind. And the way that was such a simple way, um, this friend of mine pointed it out to me, he said, well, you know, the gospel, first he said the gospel wasn't that, it wasn't about getting out of hell or praying a prayer so you can go to heaven. And I was like, it's not. And he was like, dude, the read the gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, they're called the Gospels. Don't you think that's where you would look to find the Gospel? And don't you think <laughs> Jesus is the one that tells us what the Gospel is? What does Jesus say the good news is? And it's all about the kingdom of God, right? The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is here now. It's not in the future. It's not coming soon. It's not over here, over there. It's within you. And it's about this internal sort of like connection with God through Christ. And it was just, it just blew my mind. And so for me, when I hear, you know, someone like Alyssa and others saying this, like, oh, you're you're not preaching the gospel. Well, when I hear the what how they preach the gospel, hmm. they're preaching the gospel pretty much the way I used to think it was. Pray this prayer so you can go to heaven when you die. And right. I'm like, but that's not the gospel that Jesus preached. I would love again. Let's have a conversation. Could we talk about what the gospel is according to Jesus or according to the New Testament? Um, let's that's a great conversation to have. Uh, because I do think the gospel is important, and I think depending on your view of the gospel, it'll uh, it'll determine which sort of direction you're going to go with your with your faith and with your life, the kind of decisions you'll make, the kind of people you'll be around, uh, the way you'll treat those people, and all of that. So I agree that the gospel is important, and I, I also agree that we don't have the same definition of the gospel. Um, but again, the her assumption is that her definition is the is the quote unquote biblical definition. And uh, even though truthfully, it's actually penal substitutionary atonement theory, again, what started with John Calvin. Yeah, right, uh, right. So that's why she thinks the start Christianity started in the 1500s. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. And I would say the same way that they want to use uh, Galatians to to critique deconstructions, I would use Colossians to, de to, to critique Christians. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because <laughs> if you read in Colossians chapter two, I'm going to just read a little bit of... Um, Starting at 16, it says, so let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbath, which are a shadow of things to come. But the substance is of Christ. Let no one teach you. And this is the, the 
the part I like the most. Let no one cheat you of your reward, taking delight in false humility and worship of angels, intruding into things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, and not holding fast to the head from whom all the body is nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments grows with the increase that is from God. And it 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 says, don't don't let them cheat you out of Christ. Mm-hmm. Therefore, if you die with Christ from the basic prince of the world, why as though living in the world do you subject yourselves to regulations? Mm-hmm. Regu- when you think about, when I think about Christianity, I think about rules, mm-hmm. rituals, right. and regulations. Do not touch, do not taste, do not handle, which all concern things which perish with the using according to commandments and doctrines of men. These things have an appearance of wisdom in self-imposed religion, false mm-hmm. humility, and neglect of the body, but are of no value. Against mm, the yeah, right. of the flesh, no. in the same way they use Galatians it's, to critique deconstructionists, I would use Colossians to de- to critique well, them. You, where he said, "Don't yeah. let them cheat you. Don't let them right. cheat you out of well, Christ." Can, and I would say that to anybody who hears this, don't let the church cheat you out of Christ with Christianity. Don't let the church oof. do that to you. Yeah. No, it's it's actually you can when you actually read Galatians the way it, you know actually read it and right. actually <laughs> receive what it says the same way you just said about Colossians. Galatians actually critiques this book. It's like, yes. no, it's for freedom that we've been set free. You know, it's for freedom. It's not going back to laws, legalism, and right. all these things that, you know, make you uh, feel better than others because you're, you're following all these, these, this thing in a rule book. Yeah. Yeah. Paul says in Galatians, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love? Yeah, um, right. Yeah. That's the only thing that counts, according to Paul. The rest well, of it, well, get rid of it. You've you've kind of nailed it. I mean, that's really, in my mind, Jesus said the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, love love your uh, love love your neighbor, and uh, that fulfills the whole yes. prophets and the Torah, and also you know the golden rule: do unto others as you'd have, have the as you would have them do to you. That sums up the whole. prophets and torah paul said love is the fulfillment of the law whoever loves has fulfilled what god wants yes Mm -hmm. and so i mean you know so it uh, kind of brings you back brings us back around to saying oh deconstructionists are actually focusing on those things because that's the kind of thing that comes out in the scriptures that's what matters most because that's what jesus said that's what paul said and others said and so that's what a lot of people who deconstruct are focusing on yes, and they don't see that. They just, everything is a flat reading of the Bible. So, and taking things out of context mm-hmm. <laughs> when you play the Galatians card against deconstruction, that's, that's taking it out of context. Right. Um, yeah. What about um, number nine? Oh my gosh. Did you oh, know yeah. that you taught doctrines of demons? <laughs> Keith? <laughs> Apparently, well, no. Well, what I used to teach is exactly what Alyssa teaches. Um, but yeah, again, it's this thing about uh, they disagree with us, therefore they are, they couldn't really be Christians. I, I heard that in the video. Uh, Sean Sean was making that point, right? That um, Sean McDowell was making that point that well, they weren't really Christians. And first of all, I don't understand necessarily what that has to do with anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess I guess I guess what they're trying to discredit is kind of what I said in the beginning. Um, the idea that, well, see, they didn't really understand Christianity, true right. Christianity. That's why they fell away. But like, I think all of us would say, 
Uh, no, I did believe 100% exactly what they believed. I believed it for the same reasons they believed it. I had a genuine conversion experience when I was nine years old at the Lighthouse Free Will Baptist Church in Eagle Pass, Texas. And I was all in and was the whole time. So to say that, oh, you didn't really, you weren't really a Christian. You didn't really believe. Um, no, I'm sorry. That doesn't, that doesn't work. I would say that most people that have had questions who have deconstructed, it's not because they didn't know uh, Jesus. It's not because they didn't have a genuine conversion. It's because they did. And uh, they were, they were noticing inconsistencies mm -hmm. and they wanted to find, find out what's real. They want to find out what's true. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, it, to me, it's just like, it's a modern translation of Pharisees and Sadducees. Same words. Yeah. Yep. Same words, different, maybe slightly different packaging. Um, but this idea that any human has the right, oh, this is where I get pissed. <laughs> the idea that any human has the right to diminish or deny someone else's connection to their creator yes. is heresy. Yes. Not like joking, we're called heresy. Yeah. That is one of the most evil, asinine things I have ever heard. Yes. Um, I, I think that it fits right in with this idea of being hard-hearted and loving legalism because it protects me and my power, yep. not because it's remotely connected to God. Yes. Right. I'm going to take yeah. a breath now. You guys keep talking. <laughs> <laughs> and I would just say it goes back to, um, I love that the, the analogy that uh, Angela gave earlier about putting the pin down. Um, it just goes back to where these people put their pin down. Apparently, um, if you didn't land where I landed, and if you don't believe what I believe, and if you don't see the scriptures the way that I see them through the lens that I'm using, you never believed. You never yeah. believed. You never understood. You never knew God. And it is so, um, what's the word? It's so condescending and demeaning. Yeah. And in my word, in my opinion, it is demonic for you to say that because I don't believe like you, what I, you know, where I'm at is demonic. How, who are, what, what makes mm -hmm. you the authority? I understand you to say you're an expert at something, but what makes you the authority to say that I did or didn't, who, who you know, it's like the mall cop trying to be the, the, uh, the attorney general of the United States or something. Who gave you the authority to direct traffic to heaven or to hell mm -hmm. or to separate the wheat from the shaft or to um, sift the the goats from the sheep. Who 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 gave you that title, that authority, that position, that chair, that crown? Who, th you know? Yeah. And that's what I feel about that. That's where it puts me at. Who who are you? Who are you? Or who yeah. do you think that you are? That I you think can the... tell me. <laughs> you know. Yeah. I think the reason why they say that. It's a it's a defense mechanism because sure. if they accept that oh there's some real legitimate grievances here although they claim there are but they we go too far whatever if they if they really accept that then then they have to really face it but if you just say ah they were never saved most of them were never saved then that kind of gets them off the hook you know you can they dismiss really, them yeah you can dismiss yeah you them can dismiss and them and, and they. And they actually gave, I, th I don't know if it was in the video or in the book where someone said, oh, it's, I talked to someone and I could tell right off that they just got, supposedly got saved at a, you know, half-hearted gospel presentation at VBS and yeah. <laughs> right. vacation Bible school. And then later on down the road we, and, you know, they deconstructed. They kind of have this view that people in deconstruction are in their 
teen years or early twenties, exactly. and they just got some, you know, you know, some some terrible uh, gospel presentation. They don't really understand the real thing, and they never were saved. Yeah, and and it's just a way for them to defend the, defend the the. I think the in my mind the insecurities of facing what's really going on. Yeah, and it, and it's all about division, um, yeah. which I think is what's so ironic about some of these passages claiming that deconstruction um, is really about dividing and, and luring people away. Um, one of the one of the po- pictures that I have on my wall, I've had on here for probably. I don't know, 15 years at this point, um, David Drury, a Wesleyan pastor, who is one of the most brilliant and yet humble people I've ever met, said, shepherds don't scatter the flock. Wolves do. Thank you. So if you're in a position where you're saying those people are bad, but over here, we're good and we'll keep you safe because we're going to teach you how to fight those people. That's scattering. I mean, there's... There's, there's nothing healing. There's nothing compassionate. There's nothing about um, honoring, recognizing and honoring each other's humanity in that. It's just about making sure that there's enough people following you that you have the power to keep mm-hmm. benefiting from your privilege. That's all it is. It's true. And it's, it's just dehumanizing people, really. Oh, they're Absolutely. not, we can dismiss them. They're teaching doctrines of demons. Oh, you know, don't go anywhere near what yeah. uh, Keith Giles' book. Sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I reached that out. He's, he's dehumanized. He's teaching, you know. So, yeah, he yeah. didn't untangle Christ. Day, Stay away from him. Someone yeah. the other day on Facebook, uh, uh, an evangelical professor at Denver Seminary called me very dangerous, you know. Yes. So. You know, oh, you that's a promotion. You used to Thank just you. be dangerous. Now, now you're, you're very, very dangerous. Yeah, okay. I'm going to put that on my website now next to my book. Hey, I'm very dangerous. Come read about this very dangerous uh, view of, of, of yeah. Christianity. Yeah. So, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I, I want to I just real quick tie, piggyback on what Angela was saying, because um, specifically with Sean McDowell, who I want to I will say is one of the better ones. At least he does answer me when I send him messages. He, we, he, oh, he's, he's had a dialogue with me privately on some of these things, cool. uh, on some of his videos. Um, but I, I was in an exchange with him about, about a year ago. Um, and on his own, on his own channel, he shared a slide uh, of the verse Proverbs 6, uh, 16 through 19. And I, I paused it and did a screenshot of it and sent it back to him because what it says is that there are six things the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. And the last one is this, those who sort discord among the brethren. Yeah. And I said, Sean, I know you care about the Bible. I know you care about what God, what God's heart is on these things. And on your own video, you shared uh, that sc- the screenshot of that verse uh-huh. that says that according that God considers sowing discord among the brothers as an abomination to God. Mm-hmm. And I want you to consider that what you're doing is sowing discord among the brothers that I don't think it's intentional, but it's unintended, but it's still an abomination. Mm-hmm. You are creating division. When you make these videos that say, and Alyssa does the same thing and Mike Winger and all these other guys, they make these videos that say progressive Christians, people that are deconstructing, they're not real Christians. They don't really love Jesus. They're teaching mm-hmm. doctrines of demons and all they, and, and you're, you, of course, when you say that, when you're talking that way, you are sowing discord among the brothers mm-hmm. because these people actually do love Jesus. They actually do care about their faith. They are serious about following Jesus in their life. And and for you to say they disagree with you, therefore mm-hmm. they're not really Christians and they're and you know they're they're not legitimate. 
that's that's an abomination. Uh -huh. So um, did you I get a response? Um, uh, what he said was, "Thanks for the spirit in which you reached out, Keith. Always appreciated." That's all I got. Oh, that's all you got. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's that's, that's words, very okay. interesting. Yeah. Keep oh, well, doing what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm not changing what yeah. I'm doing. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, this is very, very important um, uh, because it people have to make up their own mind. People have to focus on w what they think, uh, what's God's mind on certain things. Mm -hmm. And to just the us, it's the us versus them mentality. Yeah. Right? It's, yeah. it's back to that. OK, they're outside. OK, right. And. This whole thing. Oh, they were never inside. Okay, yeah. they were never one of us. <laughs> you know, oh, okay. I, you know, I spent twenty-five of my years of my life in the evangelical movement. Became a missionary to Muslims. Went to Fuller Seminary, you know, Center for World Mission, and it was just all a, <laughs> a farce because I wasn't. Because in the end, I came out too progressive for them. So it's mm -hmm. it's kind of crazy. But um, I I want to I want to basically say that. This is the typical behavior and people are just they're they're in the midst of trying to harmonize all this stuff and they come up with stuff that makes them look like, OK, my position is better now if this is. Mm -hmm. So it's human nature. Right. Yeah. I, don't, I probably did the same thing when I was in their shoes. You know, you, you, yep. you do that. It's just human nature. So uh, uh, want to critique the uh, ideas, not the person necessarily. Exactly. exactly. So how about number 10? We're, we're going to just take a few more minutes and go through the last uh, two. I think we've already done number 11. Do you have a secret agenda, Angela? Uh, so I was actually mentioned in the header of the not-so-secret agenda, um, <laughs> which I thought was pretty funny. That's where the book review gets cited as theology. Um, but I, I think what really scares people who don't want to lean into deconstruction or really have this idea that we're all wolves and, and manipulators is that a lot of us are actually fighting for equity. Um, a lot of us are saying, hey, these patterns are not okay. Um, so the pattern of othering, the pattern of saying that those people never were Christians, um, dehumanizing all of those things, they've been working for centuries. Um, and, and I think it takes a lot of courage to stand in the face of these really powerful systems and say, yeah, you know what my agenda is? I want people to be treated like human beings. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I want people to, I want my children. Oh, here comes the rage again. <laughs> I want my children and their friends to not be oppressed. Right. I, I don't want, um, I don't want my grandchildren to be taught that oppressing others is okay because they never deserved respect in the first place. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And if you go back and you look like it's cult 101, it is oppression 101. It is genocide 101 to start shifting the narrative towards that dehumanizing of people. Right. Towards that othering of people. Um, kind of like December mentioned earlier with the Bible, you know, one of the things about um, the enslavement of people, of, of black and brown people, is that the, the church went back to the Bible and said, oh, wait, all these people were actually cursed by God. We shouldn't have been treating them like equals because they're not. It's God's will it's that God's we will. override their will and autonomy because if not, gosh, they're all just going to go to hell and that would not be Christian of us to let that happen. 
That's like Simone Biles level gymnastics, right? We're saving them, right? And so by by the the most dangerous thing that's in this book is that it gives people whose friends and family are deconstructing, it gives them permission and it gives them all of these weaponized statements to go to their loved ones and air quotes, save them from the awful deconstructionists. But what you're actually doing is invalidating people's very real experience in a way that's hard-hearted and shallow. Mm. And gaslighting them with the gospel. Yes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Weaponize. The weaponization of, of certain passages and the weaponization of belonging is violence. It is absolute violence. And I think that um, it, I have a lot of grief about this book because I know how it's going to trickle down. Right. I know the harm that it's going to do. I know that there's going to be family members of, of queer kids who push them into mm. conversion camps That's and right. push them into exorcisms and, and push them into these things that are life-threatening. Yes. All because they can't let go of an ego and they think they have it all right. And that is not okay. Great. Ever. Yep. Totally not okay. Totally agree. No, it, it, it's kind of, um, what's the word? Um, condescending. I mean, it's like, oh, you have a secret agenda. Um, our agenda is to uh, recognize what's what's harmful in faith systems that's really harmful i mean these are real stories of people who yeah. have gone through pain trauma harm get spiritually abused yes right and help them to sort out what's going on now is that a is that deconverting evangelicals maybe so but that's that's a good thing if it is <laughs> because right. you're exposing bad harmful faith and you're trying to uh discover what's more healthy faith and so if that's what they think is bad then well so be it yeah Yeah. if being in the church is life-threatening i don't want you to be in the church i want you to spirit i want you to spiritually flourish Mm -hmm. whatever container you need for that let's go find that for you right 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 yeah i think uh no i don't i'll just admit i don't have a secret agenda <laughs> i mean i can't even imagine that i'd be like oh you know what i want to do with the rest of my life i want to focus my energy on deconverting you know evangelical christians like now i would like for them not to be uh have toxic belief systems i'd like for them to learn that's why i wrote those books right i want them to to realize like hey the things that i was raised believing um maybe they're not as true as you thought they were right so yeah mm-hmm. i do want them to learn and grow and maybe find better ways uh, ultimately, it, for me, it's about having a better picture of who God is and that God is yeah, not right. toxic. God is not uh, vindictive, yeah. that God uh, engages in restorative justice, not retributive mm-hmm. justice, all that. Exactly. Right. So, so if you I'm sure that's what they would say. Oh, Keith, you're deconverting evangelicals. Well, maybe at the end of the process, they won't feel comfortable in your church anymore, but they will still be people who love Jesus. They'll just have, a, I think, a better a different idea of who yeah. Jesus is. Right. Yeah, yeah. And the dissonance that they're already feeling in your church is what's leading them to deconstruction. That's right. We're it's not, not creating we're, it. No, we're not. They're, yeah. Yeah, they're creating it. That's the we're not the KGB. Well, we're not no, sneaking right. into churches and like 
throwing people in a pillowcase and dragging yeah. them out. <laughs> Undercover, like, hey, read this book. Yeah, I know that old spy versus spy comic is coming to mind. Like that is not that's not actually what's happening. People are leaving the church. People are seeking other answers because the church is so hard hearted in many situations that yeah. there's no space to, to ask those questions. There's no space right. to yeah. to be present and be uncertain yeah. without retribution. Right. Mm -hmm. And they, they actually did admit that a little bit. Oh, we don't do a good job, you know, answering questions, et cetera. But yeah, Sean admitted yeah. that. Yes. Yeah. Right. So, so focus on that. Right. right. Like if yeah. that's a real concern of the, of the evangelical community then start writing books after mm. asking questions and after listening to people ask questions without right. shutting them down or getting scared or defensive. Right. Thank you. Okay. Well, I think we've got to run the route here. We covered number 12 too. Uh, yes. So thank you so much for joining us here at the spiritual brew pub, Angela, Keith in December. This has been excellent. Um, uh, folks, uh, we'll uh, put a, some stuff in the show notes for you so you can track, each of these guests here and some of the material that we uh, covered. Does anyone have any closing thoughts before we uh, say goodbye here? I, I just, people who are watching this, who are like closet deconstruction, asking questions. I mean, just keep going. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, I cannot promise you that it'll be easy. I cannot promise you where you'll end up. Um, what I can tell you is that there are supports Um and even if you don't have any support, you are enough to, to figure this out. Just learn mm -hmm. to trust yourself and tune out the voices that are harming you right now. Even if it's mine, <laughs> even if me getting upset today is harming you, tune me out yeah. and find the safe space you need. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Yeah. I, I would just yep. say real quick that deconstruction isn't anything to be afraid of. I, I think uh, that this is how Jesus started his ministry, right? Metanoia, think different, change your mind. Um, I don't think you can be a follower of Jesus if you're not someone who is willing to continually ask hard questions mm -hmm. um, and to change your mind. Like, you know, Paul says uh, in Romans 12, you know, to, to renew your mind. Guess what? You can't renew your mind if you never ask any questions about the things, the assumptions that you currently have. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a, I think it's a very natural part of the process, right? Uh, Thomas Merton has a great quote. He says, if the, if the you of five years ago wouldn't think that you of today is a heretic, you're not growing. So oh, we need, that's so good. Yeah, isn't it great? We, oh, it's painful. Growing is part of the process. Questioning and, and changing your mind is a part of the process. Don't be afraid of it. Um, it's okay. It's okay to do that. It's normal. Good. Yeah. Good. My, my final word would be uh, to anyone listening, you owe yourself the truth. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Good. You owe yourself the truth. And make it make sense for you. You owe yes. that to yourself and you don't owe anyone an explanation for where you are at in your faith journey. That's right. Or where yeah. you land. You don't owe anyone an explanation for that. You owe them nothing. You don't owe the church anything. You don't owe your mom and them nothing. You don't owe your culture anything. Mm -hmm. I come from a the African-American culture is highly religious. You don't owe your culture anything. You don't owe your community anything. You don't owe your church anything. Let me tell you the one thing that you do owe. Love. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This you should say, oh, no man, anything but to love him. And if you mm -hmm. don't feel like you could do that effectively right now, then you ain't got to do that either. Listen, okay? <laughs> yeah. You, you owe yourself the truth by any means necessary. The truth that makes sense to you. Mm -hmm. Good. Yeah. I like That's that. That's good. Oof. Um, 
All right, we're going to close now. So thanks, guys, so much. Um, just to add, I just ditto everything you said there. Uh, focus on love. This is not dangerous. This is healthy. Uh, and and you make up you make up your own mind. We're not yes. telling you this is the way. Join the first deconstruction church of so and so down the street. <laughs> <laughs> this is a journey that people have. We're not a monolithic block, and uh, it's a it's a it's a very refreshing journey. It can be very difficult because of some of the things that we have you have to go through to get out of the legalism and the and the um, uh, the the harmful types of uh, theologies and stuff out there and yeah. the, the people that are come against you because you're questioning too much, but it's worth it in the end. So we just encourage you to keep keep on. So yeah. that's it for the spiritual group hub, uh, folks. Take care. Thanks, guys. Enjoy responsibly. Mm -hmm.